You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Let's say that an angel all of a sudden, you're sitting in your living room, and all of a sudden an angel appeared to you and uh, said, hey Mike, listen, Jesus sent me to let you know that at 8 p.m. this evening, Jesus is going to come and he's going to speak to you. I bet you that you would do everything that you possibly could do to make sure that you make yourself available at 8 p.m. to visit with Jesus so that he could speak to you. It's not an excuse, but the way you act when you're out of sorts doesn't give someone the whole picture of who you are. When you're physically sick, most people aren't going to see the best of you because you're not feeling well. So, when you're hungry or sleep-deprived, that's not the time to go into an interview and to try to prove that you're the guy for the job. In today's teaching, Pastor Mike wants you to see that even David had moments of weakness when he was tested during his time as a fugitive. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 21 as he begins his message, The Actions of a Desperate Man. I remember what you said You returned that I might live In my Father's house We're in the book of 1 Samuel this is a part of After God's Own Heart series, studies in the book of 1 Samuel. And in the progression of that series, we now move into 1 Samuel chapter 21. And the title is The Actions of a Desperate uh, Man. Uh, before we go ahead and read the text that we're going to be treating, a couple of opening verses of Scripture, I want to ask you a, a question. Have you ever heard the saying before, desperate times require desperate measures. Anybody ever heard that saying before? Well, what does that mean? And what does that uh, look like? Uh, does it mean that when things go sideways, and you know in our life's experience often things do go sideways, we find ourselves thinking and acting in uncharacteristic kinds of ways. So what does that mean? Well, let's find out. Let's go ahead and read our text of Scripture because we're going to uh, discover that David, who is our focus and our, our central figure uh, in this book of the Bible, is in fact uh, acting and thinking in uncharacteristic uh, ways. I would even say bizarre kinds of uh, ways. And once again, the title is The Actions of a Desperate uh, Man. So let's pick up uh, in verse 1. Let's read verses 1 through 9. So chapter 21 and verse 1. Now David came to Nob, to Ahimelech, the priest, and Ahimelech was afraid when he met David. 
and said to him, Why are you alone, and no one is with you? And so David said to Ahimelech, the priest, The king has ordered me on some business and said to me, Do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you, or what I have commanded you. And I have directed my young men to such and such a place. Now this was just a flat out lie, and we'll give you some of the reasons why David at this time is lying. Verse 3. Now therefore, what have you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand, or whatever can be found. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread. And I'll explain all of this to you in just a moment. And then he asked this question. If the young men, who David had suggested was accompanying him, but they were not, if the young men have at least kept themselves from women. So that was some of the requirement to receive this holy bread. Verse 5, Then David answered the priest and said to him, Truly women have been kept from us about three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in effect common, even though it was consecrated in the vessel this day. And so the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread, which had been taken from before the Lord, in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg. An Edomite, the chief of the herdsmen who belonged to Saul, Saul was the king at this time, and David said to Ahimelech, Is there not on hand a spear or a sword? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And so the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it, for there is no other except that one here. And David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. So once again, the title, The Actions of a Desperate a man. Okay, so let's back up a little bit. Remember last time together, as a result of Saul, that is the king's determination to kill David because of his jealousy, he is wrenched from the loving embrace of his wife. And David could not go home to Michal, his wife, for fear that one of Saul's informers might see him, and then the king would come and scoop him up. And then also remember last time, at the conclusion of the uh, preceding chapter, David is compelled to turn sorrowfully from his dearest friend, Jonathan. And so, last time together, remember, we have the record of them parting always. And so at this time, David is experiencing loneliness, isolation, and fear. We will be concerned with the way that David responded to all of this, all of the things that were a part of his life's experience and from the way he conducted himself. And from the way that he conducted himself, we can learn many important truths about human nature in general, but then uh, ourselves as well uh, in particular. Now, we are aided in our understanding of David's experiences and the way that he responded to all of this by the research that was done by those in the psychiatric and medical communities that have suggested that the physiological and psychological components necessary for good mental and emotional health are as follows.
follows. And in their studies, they have observed that the most basic of our instinctual drives is for survival. Now, you probably know that. Well, depending on our circumstances, we need, for example, food or water, oxygen or sleep, shelter or companionship. And listen, when those essentials for our lives are removed, our behavior changes, and we begin to act and think in bizarre and uncharacteristic kinds of ways. Well, listen, this observation is borne out here in 1 Samuel chapter 21. All of the things that we have been talking about, all of what was a part of David's experiences, his losses, his trauma, his persecution. Remember now, he's on the run. There's a price on his head. Uh, King Saul, the most powerful man within the kingdom, is seeking to take his life. All of those things that became a part of David's life's experience for about actually the next 10 years had great effects upon him, good and bad. But unfortunately, everything that's recorded for us here in chapter 21 is of the bad variety. Now, let's back up. Let's get into our text. When Jonathan and David parted company, and the record of that is found in the last verse of the previous chapter. Let's go back there for a moment, chapter 20 and verse 42. And let's rehearse that one more time. Then Jonathan said to David, go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, may the Lord be between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. And so he arose and departed and Jonathan went into the city, that is the city of Gibeah. And so what do we find here? Well, David now is hungry. He's all alone. All human comforts had been taken from him. He was in imminent danger. Anyone finding him was free to kill him. And so while it is easy for us to criticize David's actions and claim that he was not living so near to God as before, and in consequence, his course became more and more con carnal and more crooked, we must not overlook the desperate straits in which he found himself. But listen, you know, I, I don't know if we can actually criticize David because, you know, we really don't know what another person is going through until we've walked in that person's shoes. So we mustn't judge that person. You know, often, you know, we hear of, of someone who's sort of like uh, turned his back upon God and is, is acting uncharacteristically uh, bizarre and uh, we haven't seen him for a while, and it's real easy to begin to criticize that person, right? We think, where is so-and-so? What is he doing? Have you heard this or, or that? And, but we don't really know the circumstances that he's facing, the things that he's going through at that uh, particular uh, time. So I think it would rather uh, serve us well to pray for that person rather than to uh, judge him. But nevertheless, his fear of Saul and all the things that had come upon him, however, did show that he was no longer consciously abiding under God's sovereignty. You know, William Blakely, in his writings, uh, commenting on what was going on here, as far as David's behavior, says this, It is God's purpose uh, now to allow David to feel his own weakness. He is to pass through that terrible ordeal when tossed on a sea of trials. He will feel like Noah's dove, unable to find rest, for the sole of his foot, and seem on the very eve of dropping helpless into the billows. 
till the ark presents itself and a gracious hand is put forth to rescue him. Left to himself, that is David, tempted to make use of carnal uh, expedience and taught the wretchedness of such uh, expedience, rather, learning also through this discipline to anchor his soul more firmly on the promise of the living God. David is now undergoing a most essential part of his training, gaining the experience that is to qualify him to say with earnestness to others, O taste and see that the Lord is good, and blessed is the man that trusted in him. And so what should we take away from all of this? Well, one of the things is that, listen, no matter what you're going through right now, maybe you're finding yourself in very desperate uh, times. You know, God can use those desperate times, the things that are going on in our life's experience, to turn us around, you know, to perfect his work within us, to teach us so many valuable lessons. So take heart and, uh, you know, learn from David's experience, both to do the things that he, he didn't do as well as the things that he uh, did uh, do. And so notice uh, wandering, let's go back to our text now in verse 1. Notice here, wondering where to go, David decided to ask the priest at Nob, and remember at this time the tabernacle was located at that location there in Nob. He went there for help, according to verse 1. Go back to verse 1. He realized, however, that his arrival uh, at that location without an escort might raise questions, so he devised a story to put to rest any fears the priest may have had. Let's pick up now in verse 2. Let's read that one more time. So David said to Ahimelech when he arrived there at Nob, the priest, the king has ordered me on some business and said to me, do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you or what I have commanded you. And I have directed my young man to such and such a, a place. Listen, although... David had lied, addressing the priest. You know, in one respect, you have to commend David because in his uncertain circumstances, David went to the right place. And what was that right place? He went to the tabernacle. He went to the house of the Lord. You know, this reminds me of what is recorded for us in the 73rd Psalm, in the book of Psalms, that was written by the chief musician. And his name was Asaph. But let me give you some of the background by which he wrote that particular psalm. Asaph was going through a really difficult uh, time. And things weren't working out for him the way that he hoped they would work out. And he was wrestling with the question, does it really pay to serve God? And he's looking around and, and he's seeing those that have no inclination to want to know God or want to serve God but everything seems to be working out just fine for them. And here I am, and things are gone awry. Things are going sideways. Has that ever been your experience? You know, we expect the best, right? We expect, we, I mean, after all, we've given our lives to Christ. And, uh, and we believe that God, through Christ, has taken control of our lives, and he's orchestrating all of the details, and, and we're expecting to be blessed by him. But you know what? We're not exempt from trouble in our life's experience, right? And so I think there's been a time when each and every one of us as Christians have wrestled with the same question. Does it really pay to serve uh, God? 
Well, anyway, picking up in that 73rd Psalm, so here was his dilemma. He says, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful, the unbelievers, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Have you ever felt that way? You know, here you are just doing everything you can possibly do to serve God, and things just aren't working out the way that you hoped they would work out. Well, he goes on here. They are not in trouble as other men. And we're talking about the wicked here now. Nor are they plagued like other men. And so he's facing this dilemma. He's, he's wrestling with this question. And notice he didn't receive the answer to that question. Notice, until I went into the sanctuary of God, and obviously when he went into the sanctuary of God, as did David, then God began to address those questions that was in his heart. Then I understood their end. And what was their end? Surely you set them in slippery places and you cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with uh, terrors. So listen, what should we take away from this? Okay, so you may be wrestling with that same kind of a question you're dealing with. You know, does it really pay to serve God? Uh, something is you know, uh, come across your path and your life experience. Maybe you've uh, uh, gotten the, the test results back from the doctor and it doesn't look good. Uh, maybe you're uh, suffering a broken relationship with someone that you love. Maybe uh, someone that you love has passed away. Maybe you've lost your job. You know, you fill in the blanks. Whatever you happen to be going through at the present time, and you're asking yourself these kinds of questions. What should we do? What well, we should do, as Asaph did, we should do as David did, and that is put ourselves in that place where God can speak to us. And where is that place? Well, I commend you for being here, because I believe that God will speak to you through this message. It's so important that we keep ourselves in that place where God has that opportunity to speak to us. It helps us to have the right perspective on the things that are going on in our lives. But let me ask you this question. Are we taking advantage of all of the opportunities that have been provided for us for God to speak to us? Are we only receiving part of God's provision, part of God's program? Let me ask you a question. If, uh, for example, let's say, I, I, know, I know this is a crazy example, but an illustration, but nevertheless, I'm going to use it. Let's say that an angel all of a sudden, you're sitting in your living room, and all of a sudden, an angel appeared to you and uh, said, Hey, Mike, uh, listen, Jesus sent me to let you know that at 8 p.m. this evening, Jesus is going to come and he's going to speak to you. I bet you that you would do everything that you possibly could do to make sure that you make yourself available at 8 p.m. to visit with Jesus so that he could speak to you. Listen, if you know that God has led you to Harvest Christian Fellowship, without a doubt, and, uh, or wherever, maybe you're visiting, maybe this isn't your home church, thank you again, visitors, for being with us, and you know, maybe you've, uh, you've chosen another fellowship to attend, and you feel like that's your home church, but at the present time, as you had mentioned, uh, they're not uh, getting together on Sunday morning, so you've come out to be with us. And again, we thank you for that. But, uh, but if you know without question 
that God has led you to Harvest Christian Fellowship, well, then you also must believe that God has prepared messages to minister to you in that very relative and personal kind of a way. So there's no reason for you to have these questions, living in confusion, you know, trying to make heads or tails of what's going on in your life's experience. Just keep yourself in that place where God can speak to you and take advantage of every opportunity. If you believe that God has led you to Harvest Christian Fellowship, then please take advantage of all of those different opportunities. So anyway, I think that that's what we should take away uh, from this text of Scripture. Now let's go back to our text. I want to give you some background uh, concerning what is recorded for us here in these first nine verses of Scripture. Uh, this location, Nob, uh, was just north of the old city of Jerusalem and about six miles south of the city of Gibeah, and that's where Saul had set up his uh, kingdom. Ahimelech, who we're introduced to there in verse 1, who at that time was serving as the priest, was the brother of Ahijah, who we were introduced to in one of our previous studies there in 1 Samuel in chapter 14, verses 3, and then once again in 18. Uh, Ahimelech was also the great-grandson of Eli, remember Eli, early on in our studies, uh, who was also the high priest. But this fellow Ahimelech was now serving as priest at Nob at this time. But I want you to take note of the fact that he was not spoken of as the high priest, as was his brother, as was his grandfather. And it may be that his brother Ahijah was either too ill to continue in that office or had recently passed away. Well, in either event, Ahimelech appears to have been serving in an interim period when although much was required of him, he had little power to function effectively. Now also, I want you to take note of, let's go back to verse 1. When Ahimelech heard that David had entered the gates of the city, he came trembling towards David. Notice there we are told that he was afraid. Now why was that? Well listen, the times were troublesome, and Ahimelech's chief concern seems to have been the survival of Eli's, his grandfather's dynasty, that is, you know, the, uh, Eli's son, with the, Eli who was the high priest, uh, his son, after Eli passed, would then become the next high priest, and so on and so forth. So it seems like Ahimelech uh, is just simply concerned with the survival of Eli's dynasty, and also the sanctuary that was located there at this time at uh, Nob. So his question that he asked David was most apropos. He was probably thinking that David had been sent by the king on a special detail, and he was considering shutting him down. In my father's house there's a place for me in my father's house where I long to be oh my first Samuel takes you from the pastures that David shepherded to Saul's palace where David played his harp it walks you through the battles that were won and lost and it touches on one of the most unique friendships in the whole Bible to say this book is interesting is an understatement. There are so many lessons to be learned from reading 1 Samuel. 
Ultimately, we're reminded that people wanted a human king. But no ruler or leader on earth will be perfect and they'll make many mistakes. Only God is perfect and is the very best king. Thanks for listening today. You can explore more of Pastor Mike's messages by searching for In My Father's House on your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to subscribe. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions at harvestnyc.org. We're also streaming each Sunday and Thursday service so everyone has the chance to attend and worship as a community of believers. If this broadcast is an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? We'd love your prayerful support. And if you feel led, we're also thankful for any financial support. In fact, you can donate securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Thanks for listening in today, and we hope you'll join us again next time as Pastor Mike teaches on 1 Samuel, here on In My Father's House.